Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 1 Samuel, chapter 1 through 7, is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8 through 15, which is where we are currently, is written about Saul. Very good. And Saul is the first king of Israel. 1 Samuel 16 through 31 is written about David. Very easy, the book outlines. 1 through 7 is written about Saul. Chapter 8 through 15 is written, pardon me, 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. Chapters 8 through 15 is written about Saul. And chapter 16 through 31 is written about David. If you've been with us, you know that we are in the second section written about Saul. And uh, at this time, uh, Saul has been anointed as king. The coronation ceremony was held in Gilgal, early in office. Saul hears that Israel's longtime enemy, Nahash, chapter 11, uh, the Ammonite, wants to put the eyes out of the people and make them slaves. And I told you that the Ammonites are brutal terrorists and Israel's blood relatives. They are descendants of Lot's incestuous relationship with his daughters. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 5, go ahead and look at it. Saul is out tending his flocks. He hears the news about Nahash. Uh, Look at verse 6 of chapter 11. It tells us the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he was angry, which was the proper spiritual response. I told you he got angry, and I told you Saul wasn't into sloppy agape, didn't I tell you? Some people think it's wrong to be angry. The Bible says be angry, but what? Don't let the sun go down on your what? Uh, He was angry. And look at verse 7 of chapter 11. Saul took a yoke of oxen and cut it in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel, which was a message, if you don't come out and fight with these Ammonites, we're going to chop your oxen up the same way. The Bible tells us 330,000 men came out to fight, and Saul had a brilliant military strategy. He split the people up and put the people in three groups, Israel, kills the Ammonites for five hours and wiped them out. This was a great victory for Israel that day. So we come to chapter 12. And Samuel is giving his farewell speech, the State of the Union address, a revival speech, if you will. Uh, Chapter 12, Saul is transferring authority over to Saul. You might want to, uh, Samuel's transferring authority over to Saul. You might want to write that down. Samuel's transferring authority over to Saul. Um, here's the scene. The whole nation is gathered together. It's a great assembly. All the representatives from all the tribes are there. Samuel's at the podium. Saul's standing right next to him. 
Samuel is talking to the people about where they're to go now that they have a king. Uh, This chapter is a critical turning point in Israel's history because for the last 500 years, uh, Israel has been led by judges who were led by God. But on this day, chapter 12 is critical. You need to listen. On this day, the nation is officially transferred from a time of the judges to a time of the kings. Samuel is the last of the judges. Remember last week, I told you, or last time, uh, the men of Israel, Jabesh Gilead, had a great victory over the Ammonites. And before Samuel leaves office, he wants the people to know the deliverance from the Ammonites was a victory for God. They should remember to give the glory to God. Samuel wants them to know before he passes off the scene that their past success and their future success rest in the faithfulness of God and in trusting the Lord alone. God is faithful. Somebody say amen. And God wants his people to be faithful. And here in chapter 12, a recurring theme is the faithfulness of God. Three points about faithfulness I'm going to give you tonight, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about, first of all, Samuel's faithfulness. We'll find that in verses 1 through 5. And then secondly, we'll talk about God's faithfulness. We'll find that in verse 6 through 11. And then finally, we'll talk about the people's faithlessness in verses 12 through 25. Long chapter. Samuel's faithfulness. God's faithfulness and the people's faithlessness. I've titled this sermon, Samuel's State of the Union Address. 1 Samuel chapter 12, let's read a bit. I'm not real sure where to stop, so we'll figure it out. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Now Samuel said to Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you said to me, and I have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Underline this, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed Whose ox have I taken? Whose whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, what did they say, saints? He is witness. And then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, underline that, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, and then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, God sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor. 
into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroths. And now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you, God. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, underline that, Bidon, underline that, Jephthah, underline that, and Samuel, underline that, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, y'all looking at this. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired, not the Lord. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. I think I want to stop right there. Point number one, Samuel's faithfulness. The Bible tells us, you got a pen? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible tells us, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Amen. God wants us to be faithful. Talking about faithfulness, listen to this. 1912, William Borden, a graduate of Yale University, left one of America's greatest family fortunes to be a missionary to China. He got as far as Egypt and died of cerebral meningitis. He was only in his 20s. But there was no reserve, no retreat, no regrets in his consecration to God. Think about that. He was young and rich and smart, graduated at Yale and could have had anything he wanted and go anywhere he wanted, but he chose to serve the Lord and he dies before he gets there. Was he successful? I think so. Because he was wholly faithful. I think of David Livingston. You know who he is? David Livingston was a missionary to Africa who walked over 29,000 miles preaching the gospel. And if you've ever read his biography, it's really good, and you should if you never have, but David Livingston's wife died early in ministry, and he faced stiff opposition from his Scottish brethren. He taught himself how to be an explorer and to read maps. He thought it might be good to be a doctor out on the mission field, and so he put himself through medical school. He learned Hebrew, Greek, and Latin and became fluent by the age of 12. He had an incredible mind. So he starts his journey from Western coast and started mapping and did some incredible things in Africa. He had an incredible life and he ministered half blind. Listen to the words from his diary. Send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever me from any tie, but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. God is looking for faithfulness. God is not looking for intelligence. And I'm glad about that. Don't y'all say amen. <laughs> y'all like, that's right. I know that's right. God is not looking for good looks. God is not looking for wealth. God is looking for faithfulness. Well, in verse one in our text, the elder, the prophet, the judge, Samuel, is addressing the nation publicly for the last time in his career. After 500 years of being led by judges, Israel is receiving their first king. But before leaving office as judge, Samuel sets the record straight. 
Samuel makes it crystal clear that his hands are clean. Look at verse one. Samuel said, I have listened to your voice and I have made you a king. I've been faithful to do what you've asked. Here he is in verse two. In other words, I'm passing on, and you can write this in your margin, the torch of leadership to Saul. I really like that. I'm passing on the torch of leadership to Saul. I like it because this is the heart of someone who understands how God works. And this is the heart of a truly godly leader. When it's time to pass the torch of leadership on to the next leader, you step up, you pass it on, and you step aside. And you let the Lord raise up the next leader. Samuel was willing to decrease to allow Saul to increase. Doesn't that make you think of John the Baptist? John said that of Jesus, didn't he? He said, he must what? Increase and I must what? Decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. There comes a time in the ministry, there comes a time in in your life and your service to the Lord where God will say to you, it's time for you to hand the torch of leadership off. Sometime I think we get in ministry and, and pastors included, and we think that we're, we're to be there forever. We think this is my ministry. Listen, when those words, my ministry, come out of your mouth, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Ministry does not belong to you. God has entrusted you with, the, with his ministry. You don't belong to me. You belong to the Lord. You're the sheep of his pasture. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm just called to take care of you and to pull the ticks off of you and clean your nasty noses. That's what shepherds, isn't that gross? That's just (laughs) disgusting, isn't it? That's what shepherds do. Shepherds take care of the sheep. But no ministry belongs to a man. Your ministry belongs to the Lord. And when you get the mentality that it's your ministry, that's when you start holding on to it tight. I always tell people, you've heard me say it before, we've been around here for these many years, keep a light touch on ministry. Keep a light touch on the things of this world. Keep a light touch on ministry because it doesn't belong to you. And sometimes God may say, I want to take that ministry from you and give it to this person because I've got something else for you to do. God often does that. I've seen so many people try to, what I call, white-knuckle the ministry. Uh, I'm going to hold on to it, man. I'm not going to let it go. And you know what? When you do that, you make yourself miserable and you make the people serving with you miserable. Let it go. If God didn't call you to be there, you don't want to be there anyway because then you're doing it in the flesh. It's not by might. Come on, say it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Well, if we believe that, then let's act like that. And let the Lord do the work and let God raise up one. I think of Psalm 75, 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and what? Exalts another. You know that. God will tell you, I'm taking ministry from you. I, you know my story, Lee Sappington. Lee Sappington. I will never forget. Who heard my Lee Sappington story? Oh, only four y'all? Oh, I got to tell you. Okay. Lisa, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. This was honestly, you know, like Sunday I was talking about the trust test. 
This was my trust test. Lee Sappington. Um, I was doing the youth ministry of I and I, and when they asked us to do the youth ministry, um, there were like 12 kids. Nobody was coming. No, none of the kids were coming or whatever. And so Avai and I took over the youth ministry, and I was doing crazy stuff with the kids, and we had, we had, we had a really good time. And uh, you remember, we had a really, 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 really good time. I remember this one time I did this game. I won't tell you that. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so we had a good time, and I love those kids. And we went from 12 kids to like 60. And they were bringing gang members. We had gang members coming to our youth group. And the gang member's dad was bringing them, and the gang member's kids, they wouldn't listen to the dad, but the dad would come and tell me, hey, you know, you know, Vato, he's like, going, you know, going, you know he's, he's going crazy, pass Rodney, kid. Well, anyway, I wasn't passing anybody. Can you talk to him? And I would talk to him, and, and uh, they never gave me a hard time. They never gave me a hard time. And, um, I mean, they tried a few times, but you know. And um, I love those kids, and those kids love me. And one day, the pastor came to me and told me that Lee Sappington was coming on staff and they were giving him the youth ministry. I'm like, oh, that's just great. You know how you do that. <laughs> oh, that's just lovely. And I'm thinking inside, I'm going to kill everybody in this house. I mean, in this church, I'm going to kill them all. I'm gonna, I mean, I work my finger to the bone with these kids, and I love these kids, and the kids love me, and they're taking them, and then I was really struggling with it, and I really was really struggling with it because, you know, they were taking away the ministry that I built. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I just went back and forth, and then finally I felt like the Lord said, Rodney, you know, where you at? You know, went through all that. And finally I just said, you know, hey, if that's what the Lord wants to do, that's what the Lord wants to do. And I told Lee, that's a wonderful thing. His last name is Sappington, Lee Sappington. And I told Lee, I said, you know, hey, you know, you're going to be taking over. Great. You know, what can I do to help you? Let me tell you some things. And I bought a bunch of books and stuff that I was doing with the kids. And I was like, hey, take this stuff and, you know, we'll turn it over and we'll do it the right way and so on and so forth. And, and he went on to do the youth ministry. And it was right after that that God started speaking to me in dreams and visions that I was going to come to North Carolina and start this church. Right? Now, if I had been white knuckling the ministry, are y'all listening to me? If I'd have been white knuckling, oh, that's my ministry, I'm not going to, oh, forget Lee, oh, I'm going to make it hard for him, I'm going to tell all the kids not to like him, I'm going to tell the gang members to have him killed. I could have done that, y'all know, because I, I got it like that. Y'all don't know. You know, I could have held on to that ministry and I probably would have still been there doing the ministry. But is that God's perfect place for me? Is that God's perfect will for me? Did God want me to be there? No. God was saying, Rodney, I want you to let go of the ministry because I have something else for you. And by the way, it's a little bit better. Just a little bit. You'll still get the minister to the kids, but way bigger and a whole lot more kids. Look at all these kids in this room right now. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't a bunch of babies. 
You understand? So you just, you, you want to let go of the ministry when the Lord is saying, it's time to let go. It's time. And God will tell you, you'll know it in your heart. Nobody ain't got to come and tell you it's time for you to step down. You know it. The thing that you need to do is obey the Lord. And if that means, thank you. That's what you need to do. Samuel says, my day, this is my last day on the job. <laughs> I'm old. I'm gray-headed. My sons are with you. What he means is my sons are still here. My sons are still under the leadership of uh, the leaders in Israel. And, and my, my, son is, my sons are still here to help do the work of the ministry. Look at verse 3. I love verse 3. Samuel says, and I had you underline it, I am here. Does that sound familiar? It seems like Samuel really likes these words, I am here. Remember when he heard the Lord calling him and he went to Eli and said, hey, did you say something? And Eli said, no, I didn't say anything. He says, well, go back to bed. And he goes back to bed and he says, hey, he goes back to Eli, did you say something? I hear something. I hear my name, Samuel, Samuel. And Eli said, hey, the next time you hear it, go back to bed. And if you hear it again, say, here I am, Lord, speak. He likes that. It seems to like those words. He says, here I am. Samuel says, who have I taken advantage of since I've been in the ministry? And if I've done anything wrong, speak now. I love this. Can you imagine a leader or an, on a national scale standing up saying, listen, if I've defrauded or oppressed or corrupted anyone in any way, lay it out right now. Can you imagine that? Somebody from the White House saying, no. If somebody, can you somebody from the White House saying, if I've done anything wrong, if I've taken your donkey or taken bribes to get into the White House, if I've cheated on my taxes or oppressed anyone through health care programs, stand up and accuse me now. If they said that, there'd be riots in the streets. Samuel can say, who have I taken advantage of in my entire ministry? Because he knows he walked with integrity before the Lord. It's been said that each of us is three people. Number one, we're the people we think we are. Number two, we're the person others think we are. And thirdly, the person you really are before the Lord. Samuel knows who he really is. Now question, why is Samuel making the point that he hasn't done anything wrong? Is he glorifying himself? I don't think so. I think Samuel wants the people to know that I've not left you a mess. I'm handing off a good legacy of leadership. I'm passing the torch of leadership off and it's burning bright. I've done everything I can do to be a good example. And if Saul turns out to be a poor leader and the torch goes dim, it isn't because Saul had a bad example. The people, notice the people said, you've not defrauded us in verse four or oppressed us or taken anything out of our hands. And Samuel said, the Lord is witness. King Saul is witness. And now it's time to raise up someone else. Point number two, God is faithful. In verse six through 11, we just read it. Samuel says that in order for God to raise us up, someone else, their hearts have to be prepared. Look at verse six. It's the beginning of what they can do to prepare their hearts. First of all, understand that God is faithful and has shown his faithfulness. Beginning in verse six, Samuel gives them a history lesson. Note this, in giving this history lesson, he isn't focusing on what Israel did. He's focusing on the righteous acts of the Lord in verse 7. Are you looking at it? 
And there's two ways to approach history. You can take a look at what you've done, or you can take a look at what the Lord has done. It's better to focus on what the Lord has done. Also, focusing on what God has done is a lot more pleasant picture. So Samuel says, let's look at the righteous acts of the Lord or the faithful acts of the Lord. And then he begins, look at verse 8. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Now the first righteous act of the Lord or faithfulness of God is when the Lord delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. This was an act of faithfulness of the Lord in the life of Israel. And the second act of faithfulness is in verse 9. Look at that. They forgot the Lord, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and Moab. In other words, Israel should remember they were disobedient. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.